Hey, church, we're back with another midweek podcast. We are uh, three pastors, Pastor Sam, Pastor Ross, and Pastor Daniel, and we're coming at a Topics that we think are important uh, for for you to think about, for us to think about, um, important cultural um, conversations. And we have a a topic today that some have described uh, as critical race theory, uh, some as wokeness. And uh, some just as uh, this is this is just the this is just how we talk about justice, you know, so there, but it's an important topic, an extremely important one, uh, because it's, it's, we believe coming at us from all different directions and there's a lot being said about it. And it's very controversial. Um, we've all been affected by this deeply in the last year. We're right in the epicenter of, uh, you know, where, where the, 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 I guess the conversation started around the George Floyd's death. We've done a couple podcasts, um, on systematic racism, redlining, and we're, we're trying our best to, to understand things, but we also don't come at these matters as experts. We just right. simply want to understand the word. We want to uh, and, and exeg- exeg- exegete the word well as we consider really challenging cultural issues. And we especially want to be faithful, um, not just faithful to uh, accept or reject things that come to us, but even to have conversations in Christianly ways, <laughs> to really, to, um, yeah, again, not, it's not just a matter of right or wrong, but how are we actually having conversation about that? Are we, are we doing that well? So brothers, how has this personally affected you, this, this conversation in the last year? I'm just curious personally, what, what has been its effect on you as this has come, come at you? So excited to jump! (laughs) So excited to jump right in. Ross and I stare at each other. (laughs) I I I would say one thing, um, well, a couple things. Um, This conversation has been thrust into our faces. That we, Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, unless you've lived under a rock, um, you've you've seen this in different manifestations, um, uh, especially after George Floyd, right? But this conversation has been ongoing for years. That's right. Right. It's just been more like really in our face. Yes. You know, so back to Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, this has been stuff that I've been kind of dabbling and thinking through and it's been conversed, uh, in, in, on, on the internet for, for some time now. That's right. But now it's like, you cannot escape it. You have to come down in a position. It's most prevalent. And and that's where we feel the press of like, okay, so how do we think, help our people? Because in one sense, Part of me wants to just say, Sam, just stay in your lane, right? Mm-hmm. You went, all three of us went to school for Bible theology. Yeah. We yeah. want to know God and help people know him. And yet, part of knowing God and knowing how to love him and be faithful to him is how does he feel about these topics? Yeah. And namely, these topics topics embody people, and he cares about people, right? Mm-hmm. So this is all about people, ultimately, and what does God say about and how do we think Christianly and act Christianly? So even though this is out of our field and our professional training, mm-hmm. this is something we feel like is necessary as pe- as pastors. And so there lies the big problem for me mm-hmm. is because, like I said, this is not my training. This is not my um, my hobby horse. I, I have felt so much pressure over the last couple of years to be able to speak wisely and informatively to all these t- hot topic issues. Mm-hmm. And none of them are so simple as people like to make them, right? If I wanted to be oversimplistic and just pick a side, the most extreme side, 
that makes your life a lot easier because mm-hmm. you only have to read one side. You're never challenged with any substantive arguments against your positions, yeah. except straw man arguments that you can just rip apart to shreds. It's a very comfortable way to live life. And yet yeah. one of the gifts of the train that we got at Bethlehem and in um, undergrads in different ways is if you want to be able to understand a, um, a position fairly, you need to be able to understand multiple positions in a way where you can make that argument in such a way that those greatest proponents of that position would feel honored and say, that's what, that's right, that's what I mean. Right. You say it better than me, right? Mm-hmm. And to get to that point is exhausting. Yeah. And granted, if you give us just one of those a year, we'll be okay, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> give, give us one of the most contentious uh, elections of, of history. Yeah, let's think about history and read a lot of political books, right? But then add a pandemic and thinking about biology and thinking about civil disobedience and thinking about masks or vaccines now and, and, you know, and and what are the ethical implications of different materials they put into the vaccines plus Mm -hmm. thinking through social injustice and thinking about police brutality and and law and criminal justice system. I mean, all of it just becomes overwhelming mm-hmm. because we're trying to serve you as a church and our and, and our friends and family well to think through Christianly, but each topic takes hours upon hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And and my concern is in our society is that there's this funny meme where you had like uh, a meme where it said on the on front hand experts and it like showed like doctors, mm-hmm. and then the other side it said like modern day experts and it showed like a woman uh with her pants down sitting on a toilet looking at her phone on on facebook right and now she's an expert because she's reading like a couple of blog articles Mm, right and and obviously that's a caricature but that's that's the reality right now like everybody's expert and yet most people aren't an expert because true expertise if you want to be fair takes thousands of hours of study that's right. And we feel like we're experts because we listen to a podcast. That was an hour. I'm like, it was an hour, right? <laughs> and so I, and with that, that commitment to being faithful and trying to be fair, I have honestly felt just at times just absolutely overwhelmed mm-hmm. and, and a few times paralyzed. Yeah. That's how it's landed on me. Um, and then the final thing I'll say with this, and I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and how it's landing on you, is a feeling of, of just honestly inadequacy of like, okay, um, is Sam well read enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because anything you, you post out there, someone's like, oh, have you read this? Or well, clearly you haven't read that, right? You know, have you spent time reading the 400 page treatise on that? Mm-hmm. No, I have not, right? <laughs> and so feeling like I don't want to get it wrong because I want to be faithful. And then I don't yeah. want to get it wrong because I'm prideful, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't want to be like seen as like not well informed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's been a sinful aspect of my heart. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that, right? Like, so instead of saying something, we say nothing because like you don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. What about you, Ross? Yeah, I've had a little bit different response than Sam, I think. Um, Well, first of all, I mean, immense sadness for our city and our country and where we're at right now. Yeah. It's just an awful, awful state of affairs we're in um, Mm -hmm. in so many ways. But um, as far as just my own kind of processing these issues and how that relates to my personality is um, I, I do enjoy discussing these things thoroughly and anyone who lives with has lived with me in the past few years would know that I can just keep talking about this as long as anyone wants to and Mm -hmm. um I find it energizing rather than than depleting Mm. um one thing one thing I've realized is that um I think I can be a little bit of a provocateur Mm. towards others on on these issues and that's not always or not maybe not most of the time not a loving (laughs) way to approach this um I don't think it was a big issue in the past when 
discussions were about foreign policy or tax policy and people didn't care and I was saying things that would just interest them in a conversation. But, sure. yeah. but people really care about these issues that we're discussing today. And when you, when I've taken that approach, I've seen relational hurt mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And um, so just trying to um, grow in, in how I talk about issues, especially ones that um, have deep emotional commitments connected to them yeah. Yeah. from people. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I feel, um, I feel exhausted. I feel inadequate. Um, and I think the biggest, uh, feeling has been grief, uh, grief, particularly as I'm seeing brothers and sisters who, uh, individually are struggling in their faith as they're experiencing, um, they're, they're experiencing, and seeing some some of the some of the racism, uh, how do I say this? Some some people have been affected by racism even in the church, and that has been that has been grieving to uh, to people. It's people have been made aware of it uh, through this whole situation, and it's it's led to uh, you know faith crisis. Along with that, you know these there's big big philosophies like critical race theory, or we might say CR, we might call it CRT in this podcast, um, you know, that have added to their, you know, their, their conversation or how they're thinking about it. And I'm watching these individuals really, really struggle. And I'm grieved as I'm watching them wrestle with, uh, you know, things that they've experienced in the church that, that they're grieved about, I'd be grieved about. Um, but sometimes they name those, those things incorrectly because of the way the, the categories that they're being, you know, uh, steeped in around critical race theory and we'll get into all those details but i'm watching i'm watching individuals faith like being shaken over Mm -hmm. over these things secondly i'm watching uh institutions churches uh brothers and sisters like divide (laughs) across the board i'm watching pastors quit (laughs) like Mm -hmm. people are in trouble right now because of this and and um and my heart is just lord Please make things clear. Yeah. Please come back. And I know all all of us sense that to to some degree that we're all we're all uh, grieving right now, as Ross said. Um, at the end of the day, we uh, you know we're we're even sharing we're sharing this. We're sharing our own emotions because we we imagine that some of you might resonate with mm-hmm. what we're saying. Right. <laughs> some of you are feeling the the grief, watching friends, family. Maybe you're you're dividing with family, or maybe you're dividing with with friends. And we want to say that uh, we're we're with you. We're fighting even in our in our staff conversations. We've had some some issues, right? Like we've wrestled really hard over some of these topics. And um, at moments, had to really fight for peace and unity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, brothers, sisters, uh, this is a hard moment in the history uh, of of the world, the history of the church, and um, and so we uh, we want to share that. We want to share that we're we're with you. We're praying for you, That's right. um, and we're fighting. So, let's get into the the kind of why, why, why again are we going after this? Not just because it's emotionally taxing, but there's, it is an important issue. So what, what are, you know, what are the sorts of things that we're hearing culturally right now? What, what is, what is happening uh, with, with this issue? We want to avoid focusing on like merely high level 
um, academics and what they're saying, because the person on the street is who we are most caring about, our, our members and people just day to day. Most people know what CRT is, right? Mm-hmm. They haven't read any books by CRT. Most of them haven't, at least um, some some have. Um, and, and we can get lost in the weeds of the, the minutia of the, these definitions and these terms, right? Yeah. But we care about people and how is it affecting people and how is it affecting our society and the church. And, and, and by the way, we have done uh, podcasts and we've sent resources out on racism. We've done some stuff on systemic injustices and, and so forth. So this is not going to be ex- exhaustive. We, mm-hmm. we have covered that. So if you're listening, you haven't listened to the other stuff, please take a listen to the stuff. We cover a lot of areas. We add a lot of new nuances that I think are important um, that you can consider as you weigh into this topic with us. But, mm-hmm. you know, this really hits home this last week, you know, um, if you're listening and you don't know who I am, you, I, I sound like a white dude, I think. Uh, that's, what, that's what people tell me. But I'm Korean-American. Growing up with uh, – I'm second generation, so grew up with immigrant parents and uh, steeped in, in kind of a, a mixed culture, right? So I'm like a third culture person in one sense. Mm. Um, and um, in, in this last week, we had one of the most horrific um, shootings um, in recent history, only topped by today's shooting – that happened in Colorado, I think, mm. in the in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. That's right. Ten people were murdered today. Uh, I don't know many of the details about that murder, mm-hmm. but there was a murder last week that was all over the national news, um, and the conversation was about stopping Asian hate. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this man. He uh, was a church attender, Baptist church, or Baptist church, and he uh, and there's a lot more details to it. But suffice he he went to two different massage parlors. And murdered eight people in cold blood, uh, most being Asian American, half being Korean, I believe, or four of them at least being Korean. Mm-hmm. Six, even six. Yeah. Okay, yeah, something like that, right? Um, and so immediately, our my my feed on social media and 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 the news was just flooded with this support against um, uh, Asian hate and racism. This has been a conversation that was already kind of building. So I think this was just the next step, right? So Jeremy Lin just weeks before shared how someone in the G League uh, called him coronavirus, mm. right? Him being Taiwanese American or Chinese American kind of kind of connected, um, called him coronavirus, right? And so he kind of shared his experience without publicly naming the person and he had a conversation with that person. And, uh, and, but, but what's the backdrop of it is in the last year, in 2020 specifically, there has been more documented um, uh, cases of racism and physical attacks, verbal attacks that has been seen in a long time. Thousands of cases documented that those are even documented. Asian Americans typically aren't very loud about things. So there's way more that are under, under covers. And a lot of it was connected to just the fact that we have a worldwide pandemic that probably came from China, most likely, right? And 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 there's a lot of conversation about, you know, how, how much has Trump encouraged it with some of the language he used, like Kung Flu or uh, China virus and all that kind of other stuff. And that's another conversation. But I guess where this whole conversation lands on this is relevant with this podcast is that according to the killer, now you can't listen to everything a killer says, right? He's a killer, right? Yeah. I don't know the vested interest of him lying about this. He owned the fact that he said that he did it to eliminate temptation. Right. He had a sex addiction. His parents have corroborated this, have been apparently very helpful with authorities. They kicked him out recently because of his endless hours of watching pornography. He was part of a treatment center for uh, sexual addiction. 
And he's even shared with friends of his that he must defeat the sin or it would kill it, he'd lose his salvation or something like that. So it seems like the stack, deck is stacked that the primary motivator was against, um, you know, f- for him, this twisted view of eliminating this temptation. Right. And yet the narrative on media and uh, I've seen on social media has been this is a racially motivated um, attack. And even when the reports came out that would push against that narrative, I even saw a prominent Christian, Asian Christian that I respect say, don't be, don't fall trapped to that. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get caught up on that. doesn't matter what he said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even Trevor Noah, right. And Com- comedy central, you know, he, he's very outspoken about these things. He said, Hey, it doesn't matter what your words say. Actions speak louder than words. You killed eight Asian people or something like that. Right. And I'm going to say is, is that this is part of the worldview. Any action, negative action done from a person uh, of privilege or majority culture. So in this case, a white person, a white male. I mean, that's the highest level you can go. I guess the next level would be he'd be a rich white male, right? Yeah. I don't know if he was rich or not. He definitely had something. White male executed an injustice against a, a person of color equals racism mm-hmm. not it could be racism and that's where the definitions have absolutely flipped in the last couple of years right because historically growing up we understood hey it may have been a racist act or it may be because he's just evil to the core and right. it's deeply wrong he's he's a murderer that's evil but it can't be enough that he's a murderer or that he's a sex addict it has to be that he did it because he hates asians Mm-hmm. Right. And that to me is problematic. As an Asian American, I have experienced racism my whole life. But if you call everything racism, then what you're going to do is dilute the times that it is racism. Mm. And that is my concern with how this whole conversation is. There's no denying that there is racial injustices in our world and racial systemic racism in different areas. But if everything is racism, then nothing is racism. Mm-hmm. And campaign just even talked about this in the podcast the other day. They talked about how this one senator or congressman, I forgot who was saying how the, the filibuster is white supremacist mm-hmm. and they need to end it. And they're like, listen, yo, there's a lot of white supremacy out there. But if you call this white supremacy, this is a losing battle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't call everything white supremacist because those who really need to learn about how they may be falling into white supremacist kind of um, posture or uh, ideology, they will not be able to hear or affect any change in their own heart because you are over exaggerating or calling everything something mm-hmm. when it's not. Yeah. And so the very people who already agree with you will say yes and amen. And the people who are in the middle who are maybe persuadable and have a thinking mind are going to say, mm, I don't know. And then there's no progress in the conversation. And so no people who are racist are moving towards becoming anti-racist, if you want to use that terminology, or becoming a people of peace. Mm-hmm. And so we're just more and more polarized on both sides. So this, this whole conversation has really concerned me, especially as an Asian American, because now, you know what, um, there are people who have biases against Asian Americans, and they're, no, they're not one ounce more moved towards changing the way they think, mm. if the way the media is portraying and the way some people are talking about it, mm. because of how we're, we are irresponsibly using this as a way to further the agenda against racism. There's tons of documented times where it's clearly racism. Mm. And because we're not, we're now using this thing. I, I don't know. I, I'm not being very coherent now, but I'm a little frustrated. That's just one example. I mean, just recently in Minneapolis, there was a shooting uh, off Cedar Avenue 
right? And the, the response to it was exactly what you're describing is, yeah. is that the, this, even though there was, uh, even though there was, uh, shots fired first from the, 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 the victim of the, of, yeah, of the shooting, um, you know, it, it's claimed that it was racially motivated mm-hmm. and instantly there was huge protest that, that these cops had killed another black man. Um, he's a Somali man, uh, you know, but, but the narrative instantly went to, this is racially motivated. This is police. Uh, I don't know. There, it's, it, it I remember a, reading it right when it broke. Yeah. Star Tribune broke it and they didn't say it was racially motivated, but the way they phrased the title, mm-hmm. the heading immediately put that in that category, mm-hmm. like white cop, uh, black man killed by white cop. Mm-hmm. Of course, like the way you frame it, is that true? Yeah, that's just, just like when you say uh, doctor puts knife into child's chest. <laughs> so it's terrible. But what's the context? Oh, he was performing heart surgery, <laughs> right? Right. It's like the way you frame something can just shift the whole conversation and the way they framed it. And Star Tribune did not redact. Far as I remember, double checking, they did not redact mm-hmm. and change the way they framed it. And what did that cause? A huge, like, huge protest. Justice for, I forgot his name. I wish, I want to know his name because he's important. He's a person. God cares about him. Yeah. But the way they've gone about it has just been completely irresponsible. The greatest point we're trying to make here is just to show that uh, it's hard to escape the, I guess, people categorizing, putting events into a racially charged category. Yes. It's hard to escape that. And we're, we're not sitting here trying to uh, get into all the details of, of these events. Uh, we are grieved that the black man lost his life. We're grieved that, that uh, you know, the, the Asian Americans lost their lives. We're so grieved about these events. But we do want to be careful. We do want to be discerning. And we do believe that there's some error in how it's being framed. Yep. And, and that's what we want to pursue. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit more here. This is, you know... We'd like to talk, in addition to the talking about uh, critical race theory, in another podcast, we want to touch on Christian nationalism. We know that there's there's another side <laughs> to the the charged conversation. You know, there's there's so much here, but we do feel that there's there's some error and and something that we want to we want to help instruct you on. Uh, and so let's let's dive in a little bit to this topic of critical race theory, which is, you know. So many people have already done podcasts and articles and everything, and and we hope that this can be a little bit helpful. But let's let's try to define what what is uh, critical race theory. How does it relate to to wokeness? What is a philosophy? Um, why don't we start there? What is critical race theory? How do we and how does it relate to wokeness? Maybe. Sure. So um, everyone who's listening to this podcast, um, some of you probably have a good idea what CRT is. Some of you probably don't. Either way, everyone's feeling it. Mm -hmm. They're feeling this pull towards considering race and racism and ethnicity in every avenue of life. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, we're hearing about it everywhere. We're Mm -hmm. being pressured to consider it in just about every situation. Mm -hmm. And this isn't an accident. It's flowing from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So whether or not you're interested or know what CRT is, you're feeling it. All of us are feeling it. Um, 
there is a lot of debate about what it even is. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to read a quick definition um, by an article from a scholar named Tara Yoso. Now, I'm, I'm going to read this definition because um, this article called Whose Culture as Capital um, is quoted thousands and thousands of times in scholarly literature. Okay. So at the end of the day, just some people are just more influential than others. Huh. And you just got to like, you can't be like, oh, I like that guy's definition. If there's some other person's definition who everyone actually is using. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just got to, you just have to be real with like, yeah. what, what definitions are people using? Yeah. So just, just four quick points. Racism is permanent, pervasive, and normal. Racial oppression has not disappeared. It has evolved. Two, racism, sexism, classism, and heterosexism are all inextricably linked forms of oppression that must be fought simultaneously. Hmm. Three, claims of objectivity, neutrality, university, mediocrity, colorblindness are mechanisms to disguise racism and oppression. Is it mediocrity or meritocracy? Oh, sorry. Thank you for catching that. Meritocracy. Mm -hmm. Four, the experiential knowledge or lived experience of a person of color is critical to understanding racism. Mm -hmm. Those would be kind of like four things. And essentially what this definition is getting at is that is that we see what the, what the scholars will call inequities in society. That means that there are certain economic outcomes and lifespan outcomes and educational outcomes and income outcomes that are different. And they differ on the axes of race and ethnicity, of gender, of sexual orientation. And critical race theory approaches those distinctions, those inequities, those disparities, and says that oppression and power is the reason, is the explanation why these exist. So what that does is when any person who is not a white male has an outcome in life that is not advantageous or, or different. It, it's not what a white male or has immediately. You apply this lens to the situation and try to discern how is oppression from the dominant culture creating this outcome. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot to get into there. And I think from the get-go, we would say right away that there are both some insights from this and concerning things about this. Yeah. Like, um, so that that's that'd be my attempt to just quickly define what what critical race theory and wokeness um, are, are, and I and I do really see those as overlapping kind mm -hmm. of categories. Wokeness is maybe just more of like a lived awareness of these critical race theory concepts in day-to-day -day life. Like I'm just aware of, awake. Of, yeah, awake. I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake yeah. to these realities. Yeah. yeah. Now there's, there's been a lot of, uh, criticism, especially in the Christian world of this, this philosophy. Um, maybe, maybe first let's ask what can we, what can we learn from critical theory, from critical race theory um, and then we'll and then we'll touch on what what are the dangers of of the thinking of the thinking in the worldview broadly. So I I, I would say that um, 
authors who have been influenced by this framework, their works have been helpful for me at some levels, like um, Michelle Alexander, New Jim Crow Laws, and um, D'Angelo's White Fragility. I haven't read all of both, but large swaths of especially White Fragility, and then I watched the documentary on Netflix, which is almost the, the book uh, called 13th, right? Something like that. Yep. Sounds right. Yes, correct. I should just say it confidently. Um, <laughs> they've helped me think about realities that can be easily forgotten. If you, especially if it doesn't affect you. It's very easy to see realities that affect you daily. Um, but, but things that are more maybe out of sight, out of mind for me, you know, um, it could be easy to, to not see sometimes and ministering in an urban context. I can see some of the outworkings of how authority structures and um, how people abuse power. It, CRT has forced me to, to relook at these categories of how rich and poor and white and black and all these other categories and how the differences can be real and can be very, very uh, influential in people's day-to-day life. Um, and so it's forced me to consider these and consider how much my, especially my, uh, brown, black and brown brothers and sisters, how they are affected in ways that I haven't been affected as Asians are considered model minority, which I don't think is a helpful category or the privileged, uh, uh, minority, um, as some sociologists will put us. Um, I, I experience certain things differently than some of my black and brown brothers. Hmm. Um, and, and so it's forced me to have to relook Am I letting my experience be my primary authority of what I care about or what's true? Right? Yeah. And, I, and I did a Facebook Live on that, right? Like if I have experienced it, right? Like I never get pulled over randomly. Mm-hmm. I never, right? But I have brothers and sisters who are godly, godlier than me who get pulled over all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason behind it. Sure. You know, or there's a really, really dumb reason. There's a really small reason. Right. But because I don't experience that, I'm like, hmm, no, what, what did you really do? Right. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so anyway, CRT has forced me to have to relook at some of the data, re, re- listen to some of my friends, re-listen to stories and try to weigh into what are the injustices. Because the reality is if you are not be directly rela- um, influenced, uh, affected by some injustice in our society, then our fleshly response is going to be try to under to avoid it, mm-hmm. to under um, what's the word? underplay it sure and i know that about my flesh so no having a good biblical anthropology of who i am of mankind i know that if there's gonna be injustice out there and it doesn't relate to me i'm going to want to avoid it and downplay it. Mm-hmm. sure so i need to be aware of that and crt has forced me to have to reckon with some of these areas sure yeah that's good and one one quick thing i could affirm from this theory um <laughs> is that they, it makes the very valid point that there is actually no such thing as race. It's a social construct. Mm. So um, Sam and I have different skin color, but um, su- only pseudoscience would say that we're, we differ biologically in any mm. meaningful way. Mm. Um, more, there, there's a good chance I'm actually more biologically similar to him than I am to you, Daniel. And um, the, the idea that there are distinct races um, is only something that people have invented, sinfully, right. sinfully invented. All right. For, and as a caste system. As a caste system. Yeah. And CRT does make that point. And in that area, I fully agree with with CRT that Mm -hmm. it is a social construct. So uh, so critical race theory is is a 
subcategory uh, coming out of critical theory, and this this has been along uh, around for a very long time. Yes, that's right. right. In the sphere of law and sociology, and 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 really, it's it's an effort to try to understand uh, social systems, and 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 uh, yeah, it, it is. It, it has. Uh, it's not just something that you know in this racial conversation has just been kind of like brought up quickly to say, you know, this, this is what's happening right here. No, it's, it's, it's much bigger than that. People have been talking in these categories for a long time, but it has just recently come to the forefront as like, this is exactly what's happening. And and everybody is pretty much being, uh, required. This is like, this, this is who you will serve. Yeah, exactly. That's, that is, that is the, the framework. It's become a very, uh, large worldview And this is where we want to get into the kind of the problems or the dangers right. of this worldview is that it's, it requires, it wants you to own something bigger than, uh, than that. It's a, it's an assessing tool. Right. It's, it's, it's a philosophy to assess culture, to assess society. Fundamentally as Christians, anytime a worldview arises from unbelievers, because this, this is not a distinctly Christian thing that nobody would argue that even though you could have certain values that are, uh, repeated in the Bible. Um, whenever we have any philosophy that's outside of the Bible or any framework or theory, you're going to have to do three things, right? Three R's. Receive, redeem, or reject. Mm. And that's what we're trying to do right now. In church, take those three R's to heart because you have to view everything that's not in God's word through those three R's. Is it received? Because the reality is we believe all truth is God's truth. If it's true, um, it's from God at some level, even if it, it can be abused or if it, you know, altered in different ways. But uh, truth is truth. And it, mm. it's, it's sources from God. And we know that in the image, all people are made in the image of God. And so have the ability by common grace to be, say true things. Mm-hmm. But just because that's true doesn't mean that they're going to say in a, um, uh, what's the word? It starts with the I. Uh, with the Bible, inerrant, inerrant way. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Right? They're going to they're going to err. So just whenever you approach it, we're going to know that something's going to be wrong with this. We're not going to say that in a in a proudful, prideful way, or a, a judgmental way. But we just know that if if a sinful man is going to come up with a theory, that he's going to say some things that are right and some things that are wrong. And it's not. We can't have this like humble, false humility. To say, look, for us to be truly humble, we have to just say, oh, it's all good. Right? Yes. No, no, it's, it couldn't be. How could it be all good if they don't have the authority of the word? Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. So dangers. Yeah. So what do we reject? Yeah. And I, and I think with the way you laid out, it's helpful. And I think one distinction we're going to want to make is does critical race theory have a list of advantages and disadvantages that we just need to be aware of? Mm. Or does it, while it has some true things in it, like any belief system, any worldview does. Right. Is there something dangerous at the core of it? Yeah. Those are, cause that's two different things right there. Right. Right. Um, and on that note, before we even go any further, I want to mention that I think there's a, a, something of a false dichotomy around this discussion. Yeah. That if you take the position of rejecting critical race theory, there is the assumption that you don't care about the suffering of minority people in America. Right. That in order to care about these issues, you have to take this perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that I don't agree with that. Right. Like, I don't agree with the fact that the only way 
to care about the suffering of minority people in America is to apply critical race theory to their suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's alternative ways to look at these things and still find them to be very important. Mm-hmm. Very important. Amen. Um, and so with, with that said, I do want to point out some very concerning things about critical race theory. Yeah. The first one is that um, it is not merely an analytical tool. And when I'm, when I'm defining critical race theory, I know that people are going to disagree with me mm-hmm. on my definitions of critical race theory. I know that there's people in our church who will disagree with me. What I'm basing my definitions off of, largely, are the way that the most influential people, the Robin DiAngelos, the Ibrahim Kindis, mm-hmm. the um, Tara Yassos, who are just most referenced, cited, influential in our culture, are talking about it. Because that's just what people are getting. Mm-hmm. Now, when they talk about critical race theory, um, it, it tends to take on the characteristics of a religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it defines many different things in the world and it calls for a complete and total response to its definitions of how it sees reality. Mm-hmm. Here's um, a quote from Carl Truman in an article he wrote. Um, All embracing and transformative views often have a religious quality. Mm-hmm. Critical race theory is no exception. It has a creedal language and liturgy with orthodox words, orthodox words, white privilege, systematic racism, and prescribed actions, raising the fist, taking the knee. To deviate from the forms is to deviate from the faith. Certain words are heretical, non-racists, or all lives matter. The slogan, silence is violence, is a potent rhetorical weapon. To fail to participate in the liturgy is to reject the anti-racism the liturgy purports to represent, something only a racist would do. Mm-hmm. And when you read, so I've been reading um, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibrahim Kindi. Mm-hmm. And one thing that he does is he cuts out this neutral footing that you can have towards these issues. Either your life is oriented towards the cause of anti-racism, or you are a racist. Mm-hmm. There isn't any nuance or room for anything other than a complete surrender to the cause of anti-racism. He says, um, a racist is someone who is supporting a racist policy by their actions or inaction or expressing a racist idea. An anti-racist is someone who is supporting an anti-racist policy by their actions or expressing an anti-racist idea. To be an anti-racist is a radical choice in the face of history, requiring a radical orientation of our consciousness. Hmm. And so um, there, there is more to be said about this. I, you know, I'm, I'm not totally opposed to that in one sense. Okay. Like, I'm opposed to probably where he goes to what would it mean to be opposed to certain policies. Yeah. Right? In, in different things. But like, yeah, I'm an anti-racist. I made a conscious decision to live my life in a way to to oppose evils like racism. Amen. And other things. Right? Amen. Right. But he does not mean what you mean when I you know, just said I know, that. I know that. <laughs> yeah. He does not mean that. So the way Abraham Kindy and critical race theorists will define racism. And r- real quick, one, one side note, I think this is important. 
Ross is not just picking somebody out of out of the blue. Okay, Ibrahim Kindi, his book, How to Be Anti-Racist, he's written, written several books, 20,000 reviews, hmm. mostly positive, right? Yeah. Um, we, we mentioned White Fragility earlier by D'Angelo, 30,000 reviews, right? And, and those just are a fraction of the amount of people who read it, right? So this is, so people are like, well, why are you using these word critical race theory? The person down the street doesn't know. True, true. But whatever is taught in these books have a trickle down effect. They affect the influencers and the influencers affect the average person. So yeah. even though they might not use the same terminology, the same mm-hmm. worldview or the same philosophy is influencing the way they frame things and say things. And the average person is being swept and moved to and fro by these winds and ideologies as Ephesians talks about. Mm-hmm. That's these right. Doctrines. That's, That's right. why we're doing this. Yeah. Corporate corporations, human resources departments just hand these books out, mm-hmm. and, and and these Ibram Kennedy speaks at major universities regularly to college mm-hmm. students. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna just it's gonna trickle down even longer, right? It takes it, there's there's usually a lag period behind whatever is said in the uh, at university mm-hmm. to to the average person on the street. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. So traditionally, we think of racism as something within you where you view people of other skin colors as less than or other. He says that that's not what I'm talking about fundamentally. What I'm talking about is inequities in society. So an inequity is when there's any economic distinction, any um, lifespan distinction, any occupation disparity between one racial or ethnic group and another racial or ethnic group. Mm -hmm. And he's going to say that that inequity, that that lack of identical outcomes between those groups, that gap is racism. Mm-hmm. That is racism right there. Um, this is what I, what I mean by it's a totalizing worldview. It reduces things to racism. Mm-hmm. Could that be racism? Yes. Is racism at play in those disparities? Almost without a doubt. Right. Mm-hmm. But is there also thousands of other factors in our world? Yes. Mm. Yes, there are. But, but according to Kennedy, you call that racism. Mm-hmm. And an anti-racist is someone who devotes themselves towards policies that discriminate in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, for example, um, people of, let's say, um, Middle Eastern descent... If there are fewer engineers in in corporate America, then there are white engineers. They're not represented. An anti-racist would say that is wrong hmm. and then have to devote themselves towards passing laws that would discriminate in favor of mm-hmm. people of Middle Eastern descent until they're equally represented. Right. And anything less than that is racism. Any other perspective is racism. Affirmative action being one of the oldest, probably most well-known kind of policies that would fit this, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And without even commenting on whether or not that's the right approach, mm-hmm. where this takes on the religious quality mm-hmm. is that you're being asked to devote your whole person to this cause. Mm-hmm. And where this immediately starts to find a rub with the Bible is the Bible is not calling us to devote all of our lives towards a specific passing specific public policies that come from a certain ideology. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to pick how you're going to live your life and who's, who you're going to live for. Mm-hmm. You cannot devote yourself to disciple making and preaching the gospel 
and radically changing public policy in America with all of your life. Right. You, you can't have a total orientation towards changing public policy. Mm-hmm. And those, those distinction, the words that you're using, those descriptors are really important. Hopefully listeners are catching it. Total orientation. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Not saying that you can't care about policies. Yes. Right? Amen. Right. Yeah. Or that you can't do something about policies, but a complete wholehearted dedication where this is your life's work. Yeah. yeah. So let's just say you agree with Kindy that discrimination in the right way is the way to fix racial inequalities. You agree with him that you need to discriminate in favor of minority people through the law. Mm-hmm. And you vote for people who think that way. But you spend most of your life loving your neighbors and mm-hmm. leading Bible studies and discipling people. According to Akindi, you're still part of the problem. Right. You haven't totally devoted yourself towards this issue of mm-hmm. fighting and dismantling systematic racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I, do, I do think that we're, we're in our churches, we're, people are feeling a sense of guilt and inadequacy on this issue yep. from our culture. Like mm-hmm. you are not doing enough mm-hmm. to change this issue. And you wouldn't even know exactly where to point to to say why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. But you are feeling that way because there is something like a religion out there that is summoning your total allegiance yeah. and condemning you if you don't give it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, 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 critical race theory diagnoses and and maybe i should say critical theory generally but i think critical race theory is is the most prominent philosophy trying to diagnose it seems the problem with society with the world it's it is uh it's saying this is the problem and you need to devote your life to that and if you're not then you are the problem mm-hmm. right um so so the burden that i think we have as pastors is is to say that that is not how you should define your lives. The Bible does not say that that, that is the it, to seek justice is is not. Yes, it is in part to fight systems of, of racism to fight any racism in your own heart, but that is not the primary thing we're called to. Primary issue is that the world is is lost in sin, mm-hmm. and we need the gospel to be presented. And and yes, sin leads to. Uh, Right. Evil, right? Like e- including racism. racism. Yep. Yeah, but still, the the focus, the lens, is is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the problem. It it pigeonholes every single person to use that as the primary lens of you people, instead of that is one of the outworkings of the primary issue, mm-hmm. yes. being a sinful heart. Right, mm-hmm. hearts that are sinful will manifest itself sometimes in racism or into abusing of power mm-hmm. or wealth or you name it. Right. But the, the core issue isn't that, right? You take away their wealth, you didn't get to their heart issue, mm. right? You get them, as a, if, you, if you get as a mob, surround someone at a coffee shop, demanding them to put up their fist and say Black Lives Matter, you may have got their allegiance out of their words, but not their heart, mm-hmm. yes. right? So again, the, you're not getting to the heart issue. So the part, one of the problems with CRT is that it fundamentally misses the core issue and it doesn't have a real solution. Yeah, that's right. Because what happens? If you do do this long term, right? Because that, that is more of a wisdom issue, right? There's policies that discriminate against, t- in favor of towards minorities, right? Does that help? Yeah. Let's say it does, right? Yeah. But what happens over time? Those who are minorities who now have the power, what do they do historically? Oppress. Oppress, right? Because fundamentally, we have not get to the heart issue. Mm-hmm. Because the, that's what happens. Those who are oppressed, who eventually becomes 
the oppressors, and it, the cycle continues. And history goes on and on, flip-flopping. And there's always, whatever your position is, you have the, the other position is the, is the demon, right? Is the, is the, the big issue, right? If you're oppressor, you think, oh man, the oppressed, they're not really oppressed. They just have bad work ethic. They have bad culture. They have bad this or that, right? Mm -hmm. Oppressed. Oh, those people, they're power hungry. They're evil. They're wicked, right? And what happens when they switch, switch sides because of policy, because of a revolution or something like that? They do the same things. Yes. Heart issue still not there. And they don't have the ultimate redemption of the world. They don't have the ultimate solution. That's right. Yeah, so I think um, one of my big, one of my burdens in this podcast is is the Christian worldview does not place dismantling racism at the center of the universe, yeah. and that is what our culture is trying to do right now. Um, the Bible places Jesus at the center of our universe, yes. And when you follow Jesus, as an overflow of that, you you hate racism and you hate suffering, mm -hmm. and so that is an important issue. Yeah. But that's different than saying it's the important issue through which you see all other issues and according to which you live. Yeah. And so someone who hasn't, if you haven't oriented your life around dismantling systematic racism, you don't need to feel the sense of guilt or shame. What, 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 you, what, what God's asking you to do is to follow him, to seek him, and to love whoever he puts in your path. Mm -hmm. And may that be someone a minority person of color who is hurting who you have a chance to love and care mm -hmm. and 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 bless mm -hmm. but um but saying to someone that you have a moral obligation to give all of yourself to change public policy is not not what the scriptures are calling us to mm. that's good i'd like to add there's a letter to paul to philemon mm. and this is often used as a way to speak against the the ethics of the Bible, but it's actually one of the most beautiful things because Paul is speaking to a Christian brother who has a slave named Onesimus hmm. who ran away. And here's just this perfect softball that Paul can just smash out of the ballpark to just end this evil of slavery. Mm -hmm. And slavery is evil. There's so much to it. Man stealing, as the scriptures speak about in the Old Testament, is evil. But Paul, instead of addressing that, and I know there's a little more nuance to, to some of that statement that I just made, but for the sake of time, Paul, instead of saying, hey, Philemon, why do you even have slaves? Get, get rid of Onesimus' as slave. You should let him free because Onesimus ran away from Philemon. Mm. But what does he do? He appeals to a higher ethic. The fact that the, in Christ, that they're brothers. Because what happened is Onesimus came along Paul somehow in God's providence and became a Christian. And he says this in verse 16. No longer as a bond servant or slave, but more than a slave, as a fellow brother. Hmm. You can have him back forever, he says in verse 15, right? And so it's just this beautiful picture that Paul points to a deeper reality that, hey, let's end slavery, not by just talking about the evils of the symptom, but the heart. Mm -hmm. He treated Onesimus like property, like less than human. And now, because he's in the Lord, he's actually his equal yeah. in Christ. Mm -hmm. Sure. Where, what's that famous hymn that says, the slave is our brother. Our brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's the beauty of the Christian ethic is instead of just going at the symptoms like racism, let's get at the heart. Mm -hmm. Now, I know as we say this, there's some people who listen, but Sam, Sam, but there are injustices, there are all these things. Don't, don't, no, no, we're not neglecting them. We just want to make sure we reorient um, for the first things. Right. Yeah. 
good. View people from God's perspective, view the problem of the world from God's perspective, get first things first, um, the other things will follow. Mm-hmm. There's there's uh, some other dangers. I think uh, quick, quickly we should touch on them, that, that this philosophy is not just uh, dangerous as it relates to race, but also as it relates to gender issues and um, uh, sexual orientation. Um, could you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. So one other reason to be very leery of critical race theory is because of some of the assumptions underneath it, mm-hmm. the worldview under that's holding it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even if critical race theory says s- certain things here and there that correspond with the scriptures and we'd say amen to, mm-hmm. that is not a reason to bring it into the church if the worldview and the assumptions that are resting on are dangerous. Yeah. It, could, it could end up being what's called the Trojan horse, mm-hmm. where it brings something unwittingly dangerous that's dangerous into the church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and could, could be harmful to people in the pews who do not have the capacity to dig deep into the philosophy of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but will just will be influenced by, by what they hear just in, in and out during their days. So one, one dangerous underpinning of this theory is that it, it views anything that differs from hegemony. And that's just the word that means the white straight male hmm. as oppressive. If there's any, any sort of disparity from that, that that's an oppressed group. Mm-hmm. In the same way, um, someone who's black is oppressed. If you are homosexual mm-hmm. or transgender, Mm-hmm. And there's any sort of disparity between yourself and, and the predominant culture, that is also oppression. Mm-hmm. And to be truly anti-racist, you not only have to fight against the oppression of people of color, yeah. but also people who are transitioning genders and people mm-hmm. who are homosexual. Yeah. And while I, as a Christian, am against oppression for those people. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. Like I am against someone being treated unfairly because they're homosexual or being mm-hmm. treated wrongly because they're, um, because they decided to transition their gender. Mm-hmm. Like I am, those people are hundred percent deserving of the same love and respect mm-hmm. that I am. That's mm-hmm. right. Yet for me, even to say that I don't think that God approves of this decision Mm. that's viewed as oppression, right? That's viewed as me oppressing and harming that person. Mm. Right. And so that's why Kindy will say that we cannot be anti-racist if we are homophobic or transphobic. Mm-hmm. And by homophobic or transphobic, he means not completely affirming of that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as you bring this theory into the church, mm-hmm. what, the, 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 just the way it will break, the way the influences will kind of tend to pull us mm-hmm. is towards affirming those lifestyles and against affirming God's design for gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we want to love homosexual people. We want mm-hmm. to love transgender people, yeah. but we want to do so according to what the scriptures reveal, yeah. not according to what the world says is reality and unreality. That's right. Yeah, the, the fundamental 
heart behind a lot of these worldviews or these these positions is um, John Piper had this one podcast on CRT in his second part. He talks about the manifestation of self-deification, I will be my own God. Self-definition, definition, I will define my own essential identity. And self-determination, I will decide my own truth and my own morality without deference to any authority outside myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so fundamental in our culture, right? It's like whatever you feel like you are, that is inerrant, untouchable. And if you touch it, you are being an oppressor. Right. As if that human self-expression is the highest good in the highest truth right. and the highest authority. And that is being manifested at some level in this whole conversation about wokeness. Yeah. Right? You must affirm what someone views of themselves, what they mm-hmm. feel it's true about themselves. Mm-hmm. And that even goes not only for identity when it comes to gender or, or anything like that, or orientations. That also goes with any sense of oppression. So if I'm in a person that is not in power, so whether that is a minority or even like a student in a university, if I feel something that is negative from someone who is, let's say, a teacher or someone who is white or someone who has money, it is inherently um, right whatever I feel. Yes. If they hurt, If I feel like they hurt me and they abuse me, or whatever it is, it is 100% true and you must affirm it or you are silence is violence. Mm-hmm. You are complicit in their work. And, and then you may be true. Ho- holy moly, there is yeah. a, abuses of powers. Holy moly, yeah. there's teachers who abuse their power. Yes, 100%. Right? Yeah. There's a rich white man who abuse all the time, right? Yeah. So we're not saying that doesn't happen. That does happen way more than I'd like to, to believe and, and see, right? Like, and, and it happens. But but we have this false narrative right now in, in, in very much like a religion, like a sense of like you – it is inerrant, whatever mm-hmm. they feel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Daniel, you said something to the, me the other day, and it hurt me. And you're a white guy, and I feel hurt by what you said. And let's say I hear your story, your side, and I realize, oh, it's actually a misunderstanding. It doesn't matter. I felt hurt. Therefore, you must validate my hurt. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yes. Without exception. Yeah. And what you're saying goes at goes to what I think is also a pretty big danger of CRT is that it um, prioritizes truth based off of the experiences of those it identifies as oppressed. Right. Mm-hmm. To the extent that that starts to define what's real and not real. Mm-hmm. And you, you'll see this with religious systems is that there has to be some way of defining what's truth. Ours is the scriptures. Right. CRT is what is the perspective of the oppressed. And I just want to read a quote right now. This is something that a thinker named Neil Shenvey brought to my attention. This is from a book that's published by University Press, which is a big evangelical par- publisher. It's uh, from Fuller Seminarians, Seminary Teachers, which is a big evangelical seminary. Mm-hmm. And this is um, a quote that, that comes from this perspective, that knowledge and truth is concentrated in from the perspective of those who are impressed. Yeah. This is what Andrea Smith writes in her article, uh, Decolonizing Salvation. What we presume to be true of the Bible is primarily the result of European interpretation as translated into European languages. We would have a completely different understanding of the Bible if we read it through indigenous languages. 
according to the European positivist grammar of truth, if preposition P is true, then not P must be false. Indigenous epistemologies of knowing are not beholden to such logic systems. Hmm. Beliefs like Christianity and indigenous religions can coexist in indigenous cultures. Hmm. So, why don't you define that? <laughs> what what she's saying? Yeah, is that me as part of the oppressor class could talk to someone of an indigenous culture, and on the based off of the scriptures, the clear teaching of the scriptures, say that like me, you're you're a sinner in need of a savior, and you must mm-hmm. come to Christ. This, this evangelical author is saying that 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 is um, a European interpretation of the scriptures using European logic. The European logic is that if one thing is true, then something that contradicts it can't be true. Right. And this author is saying that that's just a European idea and that they can embrace Jesus and their own indigenous beliefs simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually have to repent and turn to Christ. And that's colonizing. It's, it's oppressive for me to ask someone to come to Christ. That that's just, Mm -hmm. and so what CRT can do, Mm -hmm. um, not everyone who believes in CRT believes this, not what it can do in its most unhealthy forms and where it's going is it creates a new standard of truth and knowledge Mm -hmm. that, um, the opinion of whoever it identifies as oppressed takes precedent over everything else, including Scripture. The plain teaching it's, of scriptures. Strips, which, scripture of authority. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so this is not something, not something that we want people in the pews to interface with. That's right. We bring, we bring this up uh, because we want you to be rooted in Christ. We want you to be rooted in him. Paul, you know, he reminded the Colossians that there would be philosophies of the world, hmm. uh, de- even deceptive and empty philosophies, and he says, I don't want you to be held captive to them, or taken captive. He, he says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Mm-hmm. Good. We, we look, we see this issue as uh, being dangerous for the church. It is. Yep. It is dangerous for the church. I've seen it play out in, 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 uh, Friends, individuals, I've seen it, I, I, we, and we will see it continue to affect our culture and continue to um, move to strip uh, the the scripture of authority and move to hinder the church from having real conversation with one another. There's a lot of negative effects, and that's why we bring this up to you. Um, I want to quickly make a comment, though, as as we consider as we close. It is easy for us. We've just identified the the major danger of this of this philosophy. Now, what if you hear somebody bringing up something in a conversation that sounds like a, a woke philosophy, or or a, mm-hmm. you know they're, that they're speaking from the the critical race perspective? Mm-hmm. You know, what is, what, is, what is the danger as a Christian uh, for us if, if, we, if we're convinced that this this is maybe a false teaching that that's really dangerous. What are, what are things that we're seeing in the church that are, that are problematic? It's mm-hmm. a great question. This is my, uh, this is one of my big pet peeves right now <laughs> is that if anyone even sniffs in some circles, especially our reformed circle, if anyone hints at 
bringing up the idea of injustice or racism. CRT, that's Marxist. Yeah. And the person's just immediately tarred and feathered in language that often that they're like, I don't even know what that is. That's yeah. good. Right? How did you know that that's what I believe? I didn't even know I believe that, right? <laughs> and it's so uncharitable and it's often like this straw man, boogeyman that you can just pull out and then immediately everything that you're about to say, I don't need to hear because you're one of those cultural Marxists. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So I just went pretty hard in my critique. Yeah. And, and when I talk to someone at all people's church, another church who says something that sounds like Kindy or D'Angelo, I'm not going to assume that they believe all the things that I just disagreed with Yeah, or have an awareness of them. I'm just going to, I'm probably just going to take more of what they say at face value and interact with it mm-hmm. and, That's right. and, and give them the benefit of the doubt and, um, not divide any time. It's not necessary to. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. It's important to have conversation and, and hear people's hearts and know that people do oppress. Yeah. Right. Like that's a biblical category yeah. we have. Yeah, that's people right. People do oppress power. So just because there's abuses of the way people are talking about the abuses doesn't mean there are no abuses, right? Amen. And so we can't overcorrect and be like, oh, you're talking about oppression. Therefore, you're being cultural Marxist. Therefore, you're making a personal experience and human hurt, your own hurt as the final authority. Well, they may be, but they actually may be being oppressed. Yeah. Right? It's like. Yeah. 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 So slippery. So when, when critical race theory does say something true, we have to be careful not to not to destroy that, the yeah. truth that is there. Yeah. Um, yeah. While also being aware of the dangers yeah. of the underpinnings of this theory. That's right. Yeah, there's some people that are very passionate about, um, about you know, uh, condemning false teaching mm-hmm. in the church, right? And God has given them particular gifts uh, for the church and, you know, one pastor has said, it's really important that those that are not on that spectrum, that are, that are really, they believe they're, they're in, the, in the trenches fighting for justice, you know, um, they would look at those individuals and, and say, how, how dare you go after that when, when we're, we're on the ground trying to fight for some, some peace and, and help to, to deal with these disparities. Um, and, and the other side would say, you're totally just buying into this false teaching and you're, and it's going to destroy the church if you go down that way. I think it's so important. What we're trying to say here is, friends, we need we need to, yes, identify the, the issues with this philosophy, but we don't want to slander one another as we're, as we're doing this. Both, everybody's got gifts. We're going to go after different things in the church. We need to be listening carefully to one another. Uh, we need to be working for change in our society. Um, but uh, please don't slander one another. Please, please be patient and listen carefully to one another as, as we talk about these things. What Ross just said, the example he gave, take people at face value, listen to what they say. Don't, don't uh, chalk them up to having a, you know, being a false teacher and trying to (laughs) deceive the church. We want to be careful listeners. Um, We want to respond carefully to one another uh, and seek peace, unity. Let's treat others the way we want to be treated. That's right. right? And so the people who are against CRT, like we are in different degrees. Yeah. One of the concerns about CRT is that CRT would immediately blanket everybody into neat categories. Yeah. We hate that. Yeah. Right? They're going to say, Ross, you'll always be a racist. 
They would. The question is just how much of an anti-racist you'll be, but you'll still be racist, right? Yeah. You hate that, right? Yeah. Because you, you don't believe that's true of yourself. I don't believe that's true of you, knowing you, walking with you, seeing how you live and, and yeah. love people. Mm-hmm. But that's what they would say. In the same way, let's not do the same thing when we talk to someone who cares about oppressions and injustices, like hopefully we do, we care yeah. about that, and then immediately just label them. Yeah, the same good. issue can go both ways. That we can just easily label and say, oh, wait, wait, but this is the temptation, right? The moment we talk to someone, we try to quickly figure out, like, who are, wh- what side are you on? Yeah. Right? Every time someone knows I'm a pastor, they immediately ask some questions. I know they're trying to figure out, like, what, what, are you one of the pastors that are affirming or not <laughs> affirming? Like, are yeah. you a Trump lover or not Trump lover? And guys, church, guard yourself from trying to quickly categorize neatly. Ask questions. It, it is comfortable. It's yeah. easier. It's easier to live life that way. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the way of Jesus. We hope this conversation has been helpful to you. We by no means are experts. Um, We've read some things. We've listened to some things. If you want to hear some of the resources we're drawing from, uh, please reach out to us. I just want to encourage you to to pray with fervency for our our church, that God would guard us from division and he would guard us from false teaching. And pray for the, the church in America. There's so much division. Pray for... Uh, minority brothers and sisters who are suffering. Let's let's be praying diligently. This conversation is not over. That's why we're we're bringing this to you. We have more to to say about the Christian nationalism piece, uh, Lord willing. Um, but we're we're super grateful that you tuned in and have made it this far. And we hope that we've been helpful to you. Sam has another thought. Yeah. One one final thing. Exhortation to all of us. If you're in a position of um, if you're a victim at any level. The fleshly temptation you're going to have is to overstate your victimhood Hmm. and not point to any personal responsibility or anything like that, right? And I'm just using broad categories because clearly there are situations where someone's a victim through and through and they did nothing at all, right? They're just absolutely random uh, victim of violence or whatever it is, right? On the other hand, if you're in a position of power, authority, privilege, you're going to try to, as much as possible, your flesh is going to deflect from any of your privilege, any of your position, any of your authority or your power, mm-hmm. and, and point to other things. Mm-hmm. And at church, every one of us is going to be on one of those spectrums. And we must guard ourselves, knowing that mm-hmm. there are excesses on both sides, and we need to guard and check our own hearts. Okay, if you're in a position of a typically and historically going to be a position of privilege, okay, don't quickly just say, oh man, look, the CRT sucks. It's terrible. None of this is true. Mm-hmm. Right? Check your heart. What, what, what about this common grace? Is, is God might be pleased to use to show areas of your heart, biases in your heart, we, right. you know, and, and vice versa. If you're in a position that you've been victimized, you've been, you've been a, a victim of racism and all that stuff, uh, check your heart to make sure you're not overstating your case to make a point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, pr- I'll pray. Yeah. We'll, we'll close up here. Father, help us to be quick to listen yeah, and slow absolutely. to speak. And would you Help us to uh, hide your word in our heart. Help us to be rooted in Christ and not taken captive by empty philosophies that are hu- that are of human descent. We want to hear from you, God. We believe that you are the author of creation, the author of the world. You know our problems. You know the solution. The solution yes, is Lord. Christ. Mm. So we pray, Father, be glorified. Build your kingdom on the earth. Let Christ be known. Let Christ be glorified, both in low places and high places in our society. Father, give us wisdom. Protect our church from from division and and help us to walk in in wisdom in these matters. We pray Mm -hmm. all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.